From the Capitol in Madison, this is Wiz Politics Midday. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam Kelnhofer with WISPolitics.com here with a midday podcast brought to you by Spectrum. Today, I'm joined in the office in Madison by my colleague, Kate Morton, to talk about what happened on Tuesday with the primary election, what the most interesting takeaways are. So, Kate, why don't you take it away for us? What was the most interesting thing for you to come out of that race? Well, Adam, I would definitely say it was the GOP race for governor. Uh, Tim Michaels ended up taking the nomination over Rebecca Clayfish. She had been campaigning for a long time, and he came in a little bit later in the game, but clearly he was able to have enough resources to have his message resonate with the voters. What were some of the things that you think contributed to that win for Michaels? Well, one of the most significant recent changes in that campaign was his endorsement from Donald Trump and also Donald Trump, of course, coming to Wisconsin to rally for him. We know that brought him a lot of media attention and certainly the attention of a lot of people who support Trump as well. Yes, and for our listeners who have a very short memory, Donald Trump was the last president of the United States, and he has continually denied the results of the 2020 election in which he lost to Joe Biden, who is currently the president. And it's interesting to talk about that Trump endorsement for Michaels, I think, because... Before the election in a WISN town hall, Michaels was saying he wasn't going to commit to backing a candidate in the 2024 presidential election. But as that week went on, he actually affirmed that he would support Donald Trump in a 2024 bid. And that came ahead of Trump's visit to Wisconsin. But Kate, why do you think Clayfish ended up losing that race? It can't have all been just a good campaign for Michaels, right? Well, Adam, I think it's a combination of things, one of them being that people are still a little bit focused on the 2020 election. That's something that Trump has been pushing, as you've said, and Michaels has also gotten on board with that, Um, although he's seemed to have changed his mind at some points. He recently, during that town hall, uh, said that election integrity was his top priority. Another thing to think about is the fact that he was able to put so much money into his campaign in a short amount of time leading up to that primary. And also, notably, and I think we also saw a good amount of support for Clayfish in some more urban areas, but the roll vote kind of seemed to have overcome that. Yeah, Kate, and one more interesting aspect to this race is Michaels has been trying to position himself as more of an outsider in politics, though we've seen him run unsuccessfully for other offices uh, back in 1998 and in 2004. Uh, 2004, he lost to Russ Feingold in a Senate race, and he actually, in that race, also won the Republican primary. So this isn't his first time winning an election. Um, And A lot of people resonated with that outsider perspective because uh, that was a lot of what Trump ran on. And Clayfish has been involved in Wisconsin politics for a long time. As we know, she was the lieutenant governor under Scott Walker. So a lot of people seem to see her as more of an establishment candidate. So, Adam, you've been closely following that attorney general uh, primary over the past few months. What did you notice that was really important about that? Well, Kate, the Republican attorney general primary was quite interesting. I would argue it was the most interesting race of Tuesday night, actually. Um, On the Democratic side, obviously, Josh Call is the candidate the Democratic Party endorsed. He's the incumbent. That makes perfect sense. 
But on the Republican side, we had three attorneys facing off in this election. So the winner of that election was Fond du Lac County District Attorney Eric Tony, who has quite a bit of experience as a prosecutor. And it looks like that's where he pulled a lot of the vote from. He pulled a lot from people who really liked the fact that he has experience in the world of criminal justice, while Adam Jarko took a lot of criticism on the campaign trail for lacking experience in that venue. He has never held a position as a prosecutor. He is a private attorney, and he has worked to uh, combat some of Governor Evers' safer-at-home orders during the pandemic, but he just didn't have the prosecutorial experience that Eric Tony has, and it looks like that likely hurt him in the polls, but it was still a very, very close race between Tony and Adam Jarko. But Kate, that was really interesting to me because Tony also took a lot of criticism on the campaign trail after some people who purported to be his friends came forward with text messages with Eric Tony, where Tony called former President Trump, uh, quote, dumb, dumb Donald and said he wouldn't be voting for him. So that definitely caused a lot of issues with Republican voters. Adam, one of the other interesting aspects of that race also was uh, the other candidate, Chippewa Falls attorney Karen Mueller. She didn't put a ton of money into her, her campaign compared to the other candidates, but she did pretty well, uh, at least better than we were maybe expecting. She pulled in about 25% of the vote and led in several counties. So what is some background on her? What do we need to know about Karen Mueller? So Karen Mueller's main platform was her push to spend DOJ resources, if she were to become attorney general, on investigating hospitals, which she alleges purposely killed patients with COVID-19 vaccines. Now, it's important to note there is no evidence that such allegations are true, uh, but Karen Mueller was also focused on figuring out why doctors were not prescribing ivermectin to COVID-19 patients who had requested ivermectin. And Kate, I think that's really important to point out because those are the kind of voters that voted for Karen Mueller, who that message resonated with. And that's 25% of all voters in that Republican primary. So that's a large portion, and I think that's a sign of where Wisconsinites are on, you know, believing misinformation about COVID-19 and vaccines. So that could definitely play a big role in the upcoming November election. And Kate, another interesting race was in the 63rd Assembly District, right? Yeah, Adam. So for that race, we had Assembly Speaker Robin Voss running for his re-election against Adam Steen, who is an election denier. And he has said that he would like to reclaim Wisconsin's electoral votes for Joe Biden from 2020. Uh, Robin Voss was able to defeat Steen in somewhat of a narrow uh, victory. So that's definitely significant to think about. Um, clearly shows that some voters are frustrated with Voss and think maybe he hasn't done enough for um, election integrity. This week was a bit of a dramatic one in that race. We saw uh, last week Trump announcing at that Michaels rally that Justice Michael Gableman had endorsed Steen. Uh, Michael Gableman, as we know, is the one who is investigating the 2020 election. 
Uh, what else did you think was interesting about that race, Adam? Well, Kate, I thought one of the most interesting things was that Robin Voss actually authorized the investigation that Gableman is heading and gave Gableman a $676,000 budget. And it's really interesting to see Michael Gableman, who is basically currently employed by the Assembly, although that's kind of up for debate right now. Um, he was criticizing Voss, who basically created Gableman's own job and authorized that investigation. So, And it was really interesting to see Voss on election night really go after Gableman on that issue. Yes, Adam, there's definitely a rift building there. Uh, Voss is supposed to meet with the caucus next week, Tuesday, and Assembly GOP leadership to talk about that contract. One thing I think is also noteworthy is one of the reasons why Voss had criticized Gableman was because he said Gableman had been too partisan. Um, but even ahead of Gableman endorsing Steen, he had attended a lot of partisan events and advocated for uh, decertification. For example, when earlier this year he said that the legislature should take a hard look at decertification and attending events with activists who support that impossible task. So, Kate, do you think this changes anything for what elections we should really be paying close attention to in that November election? Or are we still looking at that U.S. Senate gubernatorial spot, the attorney general race? Well, I think, Adam, it's also good to pay attention to that race for secretary of state. That's one we've been looking out for because Republicans have voice and interest in kind of changing the purpose of that office to maybe have more influence over elections. Uh, Amy Loudenbeck, who was chosen as the Republican nominee for that office, hasn't been quite so intense with that uh, conversation. Jay Schrader, one of her former opponents, uh, was more of a vocal advocate of really transforming that office. But it'll be interesting to see how she kind of goes about that moving forward. Yeah, I do think that is going to be an important race to watch. And it's interesting you bring that up because Doug LaFollette, who's the Democrat who's held that office since 1975 for all but four years when he decided to run unsuccessfully for lieutenant governor, um, he's held that position for a long, long time. And he's not sitting on a ton of cash in his bank account for his campaign. He's only sitting on about $24,000. Well, Amy Loudenbeck actually ended the primary cycle with almost $200,000 in her tank. So she's got a lot more funds to start doing campaigning efforts, advertising, knocking on doors, canvassing, anything like that, while Doug is kind of lagging behind on that front. But that kind of puts Doug in a familiar position because we saw over the month of July from the 1st through the 25th in the last available campaign finance reports, Doug only spent $86 on his campaign altogether, while most of the other candidates were spending large chunks of cash, you know, at least $1,000 in that time period. So um, it'll be interesting to see what La Follette is capable of doing with such a limited budget. Definitely, Adam, especially considering uh, La Follette has said that he won't be doing a lot of in-person events, which can be really important to connect with voters. But, you know, we'll see what happens if uh, Laudenbeck has a lot of money to compete that could overcome his name recognition. We just don't know yet. 
Yeah, well, if our listeners want to see more about what's going to be coming up on that November election and news between now and then, they can head over to our website at wispolitics.com. But for now, I'm Adam Kelnhofer. I'm Kate Morton. Thanks for tuning in to another Midday Podcast brought to you by Spectrum. This has been WISPolitics Midday. For more state government and political news, visit wispolitics.com. <laughs>